Welcome to the South Coast Christian Podcast. I'm Pastor Tom Westerfield. On behalf of myself and our entire staff, we want to thank you for listening, and we hope this message uplifts and encourages you this week. We're in a new series on the book of James, and it's all about faith. All day, every day, it's choosing to live a life of faith. This is our third week in this sermon series. And the book of James was really written to some Jews, uh, Jewish Christians, who were living under some difficult circumstances, and they were starting to abandon their faith. They were starting to look at their circumstances in different ways, and they, were, they started abandoning their faith. They started missing out on what God was calling them to do, and the relationship with God started to grow weary, and, and they started drifting away from the truth. And, and James writes this book, and he says, Hey, let me remind you about your faith. And as I was reading the, the book of James, and we were talking about it as a team, when you read it, you start to see that there's a rhythm in the book of James. And I started thinking about the whole idea of rhythm. It's a strong, regular beat that's consistent. And our faith needs to have a strong, regular, consistent beat in our life. Each day, all day, every day, our faith should be the number one thing in our life towards Jesus because it's our faith in Christ that will change things. It's our faith in Christ, not in this world, that will make all the difference. And they were starting to look at the circumstances of this world instead of looking at Jesus, who is the one that can change the circumstances. Amen? So basically, James is telling people and encouraging them to reestablish godly habits in your life, and you will find rhythm for your faith. And, and, and I think those godly actions, when we start practicing godly actions in our life, they will bring stability in our life. Um, I find myself getting sloppy. I don't know if any of you guys ever do that. All of a sudden, you start just getting a little sloppy in how you do things. And, how you, and all of a sudden, when I start to bring correction in my life, then all of a sudden, I start finding rhythm again. And that's what our faith is all about, is finding our rhythm in Jesus Christ. Last week, we discovered that we are to listen to God's Word, do what it says, that's an important one, and then examine our life for any actions that are not pleasing to God. And if you didn't hear last week's message, I encourage you to watch it on podcasts or vodcasts on our website or on our church app. But today we're going to talk about a little different subject. We're going to talk about favoritism. Favoritism. Let me ask a question. For just a moment, think about your favorite dessert. I know it's getting, I'm getting hungry already, so I'm starting to think about it. What am I going to have for dessert? I'm a bachelor today. If you don't see my wife, Annette, um, it's Okay. We haven't separated. We're not divorced. We are loving each other. Sometimes distance makes a heart grow fonder, you know. And so um, actually Annette and Elaine, uh, they flew up to Seattle this weekend. And they are uh, shopping for wedding dresses for my daughter Brittany. And so they're loving it. And, and Pastor Johnny is a bachelor as well. So he's feeling really lonely. So if you guys can give him a hug afterwards. I know it's coronavirus. Just he needs a hug afterwards. But um, uh, so they're up there and they're having a blast. And, but one of the things I was thinking about, favorite things in our lives. I mean, do you guys ever drive down the road and you start looking at cars? Go, Ooh. I know Brett has a favorite truck that he wants. You know, we all have favorite things in our lives, favorite colors. Or favorite, what, what are some of the favorite things in your life? My wife and I, we love to go to the uh, uh, Salt Creek Grill. I can't never remember the name of the restaurant. It's in Dana Point, Salt Creek Grill. But I can remember their food. 
And there is a New York steak. It's a coffee-crusted New York steak. And they, they pour this bourbon sauce over the top of it. And they put a little blue cheese on top of that steak. And if it's cooked just perfectly, you can cut into it and you put it in your mouth and it just melts. Oh, it is so good, Latasha. I mean, it melts in your mouth. And then on top of that, Annette and I, when we go there, it's our favorite restaurant, when we, our favorite meal. And we go there, we, get, we order this butter cake, and we get a scoop of ice cream to go right along that butter. Oh, and the, on the outside, they do that, like a sugar, uh, crispy crust on the outside of that butter cake. And, oh, my goodness, it puts it in just, oh, it's so good. And then we order a carafe of, of the French pressed coffee with that. I mean, it's basically like you're getting a little taste of heaven right there on the spot. I know I've made you guys all hungry. Now you're thinking about food. But the reason I shared that is because we all have favorites in life. We have favorite foods. We have favorite cars. We have favorite things in our life. But in life, as we all have favorites, James is telling us when it comes to people, we're not to show favoritism. In James chapter 2, that's what he's highlighting is that, hey, when it comes to People, we can't show favoritism. We don't show favoritism just because someone is rich or famous or powerful. That's what we're going to talk about here in the following scripture in James chapter 2. And we're going to start at verse 1. If you're watching us online, I encourage you to open up your Bibles. If you're here today, open up your Bibles or turn on your devices. Once again, don't be looking at fantasy football. Just go straight to God's word, okay? And we're going to start at verse 1. This is uh, the writing of James. He says, My dear brothers and sisters, how can you claim to have faith in our glorious Lord Jesus Christ if some favor, peop- some favor some people over others? For example, suppose someone comes into your meeting dressed in fancy clothes and expensive jewelry, and another comes in who is poor and dressed in dirty clothes. If you give special, special attention and a good seat to the rich person, but you say to the poor one, oh, you can stand over there or else sit on the floor, well, doesn't this discrimination show that your judgments are guided by evil motives? Listen to me, dear brothers and sisters, hasn't God chosen the poor in this world to be rich in faith? Aren't they the ones who will inherit the kingdom he promised to those who love him? But you dishonor the poor. Isn't it the rich who oppress you and drag you into court? Aren't they the ones who slander Jesus Christ, whose noble name you bear? Yes, indeed. It is good when you obey the royal law as found in scriptures, love your neighbor as yourself. But if you favor some people over others, you are committing a sin. You are guilty of breaking the law. For the person who keeps all of the law except one is as guilty as a person who has broken all of God's laws. For, this, for the same God who said you must not commit adultery also said you must not murder. So if you murder someone but do not commit adultery, you still have broken the law. So whatever you say or whatever you do, remember that you will be judged by the law that sets you free. There will be no mercy for those who have not shown mercy to others. But if you have been merciful, God will be merciful when he judges you. Let's just take a moment to pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you for your word today. And I ask God once again that your word will come alive to us by the power of your Holy Spirit. It will penetrate our hearts. It will make a life change in us, Lord God. We know that your word is living and active and it can divide, Lord God, between, between our soul and spirit in such a way, Lord God, that it makes a change in us. And I pray that would happen to each and every one of us today as we continue to grow our faith. 
in who you are in our life. In Jesus' name. And everyone said? Amen. Amen. So in this passage of Scripture, James questions the faith of those who are showing favoritism between people. If you haven't caught on, James is stepping on your faith. You know how you can step on someone's toes? James is now stepping on your faith. He's challenging, where is your faith at? It looks real from the outside, but when it's put to the test, does it fall apart? Showing favoritism or discriminating because of any reason reveals the true motives of your heart. Your motives are not based on true kindness. And James said, man, we need to be on kindness. In fact, James states in verse 5, hasn't God chose the poor in this world uh, to be rich in faith? What does that mean? And Jesus says in Matthew chapter 5, verse 3, he says, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Luke chapter 4, 18, Jesus quotes Isaiah by saying, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, for he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim that the captives be re- will be released, that the blind will see, and the, press, the oppressed will be set free. So why does God choose uh, favor the, over the, on the poor of this world? Why does he do that? Didn't that kind of sound, seem interesting? Many believe this refers to the person who is poor in spirit. A person with humility, not necessarily referring to uh, someone's finances. I agree to a certain extent, but um, meaning this, that no one is outside of the reach of God. It doesn't matter if you're re- rich or poor, you're not outside of God's reach he, with his love. He, and by the way, if you're living in America, you are rich. Amen. In comparison to 90% of the rest of the world, we are rich. So thank God he can you know, reach a rich person as well. But what is, he, what, what, is, what is Jesus saying in this part? Because I, I agree that it, you know, it's not necessarily referring just to someone in finances. Because if that was the case, then, you know, um, let me put it this way. You don't have to be financially poor to enter the kingdom of God. Otherwise, Old Testament characters like Job and Abraham and David, they would have never had opportunity. Or New Testament characters like Zacchaeus. Remember Zacchaeus was a rich tax collector. Or Joseph of Arimathea, the one who bought the tomb for Jesus, or, or the women who supported Jesus. But notice all the names I mentioned, especially the ones in the New Testament, there's one theme in their life, throughout their life, and that is a theme of generosity. Joseph of Arimathea, he spent his money to buy a tomb for where Jesus' body could be laid. Zacchaeus was a tax collector when all of a sudden he encountered the presence of God when he was sitting up in the tree waiting for Jesus to pass by. And Jesus stops and says, hey, Zacchaeus, come down from that tree. I'm going to have lunch with you today. Changed his life. It changed him so much that there all of a sudden became a spirit of generosity on Zacchaeus. He says, if I have cheated anyone, I am going to make it right today. He used his finances. The women who followed Jesus, if you don't know that, Jesus had women who were following him, and they were supporting his ministry. They were wealthy women that were supporting Jesus' ministry. The one theme of all those people is that they had this rich uh, uh, love of of generosity to the ministry of God. They were compassionate with their money. But back to the question. Why does God choose the poor of this world to be rich in faith? It appears that Jesus is showing favoritism to the poor, which is what we're talking about is favoritism. Why doesn't Jesus get in trouble for favoritism? But I believe it's not, that's not the situation here. I believe Jesus is stating that poverty or lack of creates room 
for greater faith. A person who is poor recognizes that they have little and, and that they have very little and are more willing by faith to receive from Jesus. They put their faith in God instead of their faith in things. They recognize they have nothing else. I will remain, I will put my faith in Jesus Christ. You see, even David, David was a rich man. David was the king of Israel. Very, very, very wealthy. His son Solomon was the richest of all people on the face of the earth. But even David, because he was rich, even, because, even though he was rich, he recognized that his source of strength, he recognized that it was only God that made him rich. He recognized that God was his source. Amen. His true hope was in Jesus. Amen. This is being poor in spirit. It's understanding true humility. Jesus chose the poor in this world because guess what? They were receptive to the message of the cross. The rich were distracted by their possessions. Jesus wasn't showing favoritism, but Jesus recognized that there was a difficulty for those who are rich. In fact, he said it's harder for a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven than a camel to enter into, uh, into, into the eye of a needle. Thank God that God is in the hand of being a miracle worker. Amen? But it appears that James was seeing the poor being pushed to the side because he's written this book. While the rich were receiving all the favor, James is looking at the situation. He says, enough is enough, guys. Stop showing favoritism because we're all created equally in the eyes of the Lord. We should have faith that shows respect to all people, no matter if they're rich or poor or black or white or famous or unknown. It shouldn't matter if they're wearing designer clothes or if they're wearing the latest fashion from the thrift shop. It doesn't matter. In fact, thrift shops have some really cool stuff if you haven't gone shopping. Yeah, there's pretty cool stuff. In fact, one day, the only thing that will be judged in your life, catch this, it will not matter the size of your home. It won't matter the, the size of your 401K. It won't matter what kind of car you drive. It might matter to you today, which is that's fine. It was fine. The only thing, but this is something that pastor has to remind all of us and remind myself at times, the only thing that will be judged in your life is your faith. Amen. And God's going to judge that. Okay. We need to remember that. Is your faith real or fake? And it says in Scripture, only God can judge your heart. But in this passage of Scripture, James, and I talked about this last week, that there's times in our life we need to examine our life. And James has basically given us an instrument right now where we can examine our life. He's given us a way to measure our faith. Do you show favoritism? Bing! If you're showing favoritism, guess what? Maybe you need to examine your life. Maybe you need to exercise more faith. Your spiritual muscles are getting weak. So in this series, we're trying to develop a rhythm for our life. We're trying to develop spiritual habits that strengthen our faith. And I want to share three thoughts from this passage of Scripture today that I hope that you can apply to your faith to make your, strong, your faith even stronger. The first thought, as the title of the series is titled, All Day, Every Day, Be Kind to All. Just write that down. Be kind to all. Do you know that kindness requires faith? Not everyone in this world has good motives. Not everybody is super likable. There are times in your life it's going to require kindness to be able to show that kindness to someone else. In fact, in Colossians 3.12, it states that we are to put on kindness. 
put on kindness. Anytime you see the word put on in the New Testament, so many times it illustrates someone who is putting on their clothes. This morning, as you got ready to go to church, you put on your clothes, correct? I don't see anyone that's naked in here today. So I think, thank you for putting on your clothes today. But, you know, you put on your clothes. You made a decision. I decided to wear my brown shoes with my brown belt. Notice that they match, okay? And then I have my red shirt, my, my jeans. And so I decided I combed my hair. So I decided to put clothes on so that I could walk out in the public and, and look decent. And James is writing, or not James, but in the Bible it says that we should put on kindness. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness. How many times have you ever thought, because we, put, we spend a lot of time putting on our clothes. We spend a lot of time getting ready for the day before we go to work. We spend a lot. How much time do you spend getting ready spiritually for the day? Do you put on kindness for the day? I, um, several year, years back when I was living in Visalia, we moved into this home. I, we lived in Visalia for two years. I was at a church there, Visalia First Assembly, an awesome church. And, and a great pastor, uh, Mike Robertson, there. And so I came to the church there as an executive pastor. And we bought a nice house there in, in Visalia. And, and it was right during the kind of the whole crash. In fact, we bought a foreclosure, made a killer on the foreclosure. It was phenomenal. Can you imagine this? I'm going to say it. I bought a house that was 3,500 square feet for $280,000. Yeah, I know. It just, uh, what? Yeah, it was, it was awesome. It was cool. But I bought in this neighborhood. And uh, it was a nice neighborhood. And uh, the first week I'm there. I mean, just get there. And, and I, I bring the, you know, the garbage cans, the recycle bin, all that kind of stuff out there. And, and uh, my recycle bin had some stuff in there. And there was a couple branches sticking out from the lid. It was closed, but there's a couple, you know. And all of a sudden I get a knock on my door. And it was my neighbor across the street. Um, sir, you know, um, I just noticed that your can has been out for an extra day and it shouldn't be. And I also noticed that you had a couple tree limbs that were sticking outside of the, and you re, we really, we want you to be able to put everything, the lid needs to be closed completely. This is like the garbage police right across my, I'm going like, are you kidding me? True story. True story. Now, if you know me at all, sometimes I can get frustrated with that kind of stuff. And I could feel my frustration going up. I was going, oh, you, what? Who gives him the right to come over to my, you know, and tell me what? And I try, Lord, you know, I'm a pastor. Act like a pastor. Don't act like a Christian. Just act like a pastor. Think about that one for a moment. Anyhow, um, so <laughs> I'm just sharing. Anyhow, so all of a sudden I felt the Holy Spirit come upon me. And I don't know if you guys have ever felt that. And if you haven't, you probably have. You might not recognize it. It's basically, Stop! <laughs> It's the Holy Spirit just saying, stop, don't say anything, don't do anything you're going to regret, just be quiet. And, oh, well, thank you for letting me know. I appreciate it so much inside. I'm just going, you know, and, and thank you so much. I will try to do better, and I was just trying to be kind, you know. And, and, but I got convicted afterwards. I started thinking about that whole process and thought, you know, I need to show kindness. I'm a follower of Jesus. I don't need to let myself get all upset, and I need to show kindness. And so Annette and I, we started just being super kind to this couple across the street from us. He wasn't a Christian. He wasn't a believer. He didn't know God. We are just being kind. Let me share what happened in that story. I don't even have this in my notes. It came to me in first service, and it was such a powerful illustration. I just, true story, you can talk to my wife. No, I don't make things up, so don't. God does miraculous things to stupid people. I'm just telling you right now. 
if you, if you have an open enough heart, he can do miraculous things through even ignorant, hard people like myself. And all of a sudden, I recognize the word of God, just be kind. We were being kind. We lived there for two years. All of a sudden, this man got diagnosed with cancer. And it was a death sentence. It went fast. I think it was like less than three months. And uh, we were already being kind. It wasn't because of cancer. It was already we were showing God's love to this person. And uh, it was kind of an interesting scenario. All of a sudden, his best friend that he hadn't seen for about 10 years, they talked every week, and he flew out from New York. He wanted to see his friend. And he started sharing. He was a Christian. And he came to me afterwards. He said, you know, Tom, he said, you don't know the impact that you had on this man's life because I was able to lead him to the Lord. Because of the kindness that you showed him, I've been working on him for years, and, and he's been so stubborn, so hard. He said he just all of a sudden opened up, and he accepted Christ as his Savior. Hallelujah. Kindness. Guess who, the, guess who had the opportunity to do his memorial service? His, him and his wife came over one evening and said, hey, you know what? You've just been such great neighbors, showed us so much love. Would you, be, would you be so kind to do my memorial service? I'd say, I'd love to do that. Think about that. It was just because of an act of kindness, all of a sudden someone's life is changed. Paul writes in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 32, Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, as God in Christ forgave you. Do you know that doesn't necessarily come from human spirit? <laughs> So, so many times, that is something that supernaturally has to take place in your life. Kindness is not showing favoritism or discriminating. Kindness is treating all people fairly. James is telling us to stop looking at the outward appearances of people. Stop looking at skin color. Stop looking at money and stop looking through the lens of this world and start looking through the eyes of Jesus. The Bible says in Romans 2.4, don't you see how wonderfully kind and tolerant and patient God is with you? Does this mean nothing to you? Can't you see that his kindness is intended to turn you from your sin? You see, it's the goodness of God that draws all men to repentance. Go, guess what happens? Do you know how God shows his goodness and his kindness? Through you. Through you. When all of a sudden you show kindness, guess what? All of a sudden, God sees that kindness and people see that kindness and they recognize there's something different about you and it's the presence of God. Our job is to portray, portray God's goodness to all. Sometimes it's difficult when we might feel betrayed or abandoned or unloved by others. But we are called to rise above and be kind to all so that God's goodness might be seen. We are living in a world right now that seems to be focusing on being unkind. Somehow believing, and this is the lie that's being sold today, somehow be believing that somehow if we are hurtful and hateful, that people will change their uh, perspective. But that is completely opposite to God's word. The Bible teaches us that the kindness and the goodness is what will change people's perspective for people it's because it demonstrates who God is. I've heard it said that kindness is the language that the deaf can hear and the blind can see. It overcomes any barrier of a person's life. 
Jesus came into this world displaying kindness by healing the sick, by delivering the oppressed, by feeding the poor. The first convoy of hope that ever took place took place 2,000 years ago when Jesus stepped foot on this earth and he was teaching on a, on a hillside with a bunch of people that were starting to get hungry. And he asked his disciples, man, do we have any food to feed these people? And the disciples look at him like, are you crazy? Go see if we can find something. And there's this little boy who has five loaves of bread and two fishes. And he gives his lunch to the disciples. And the disciples bring it to Jesus. And out of that act of kindness, the one act of kindness that this little boy did that by giving up his lunch to Jesus, all of a sudden Jesus took that, broke it, and it expanded it and fed over 5,000 people. What can your one act of kindness in your life how can it change? How can it set the, the, the direction, the, the boundary of all of a sudden an explosion of love and goodness and grace into people's lives? We are living in a world right now that seems to be focusing on the opposite of that. But I challenge you today, as followers of Jesus Christ, put on kindness. Put on kindness because it can be life-changing for people. Another way that we strengthen our faith is by being open to everyone. Meaning, don't judge people by their lifestyle. You haven't walked in everybody's shoes. Our perceptions or opinions come from our education, our background, our, our experiences. We all come from different places. We've grown up in different homes. We've had different parents. We've had different, we, you might have grown up rich. You might have grown up poor. All these things, guess what? They, they, they have influence on your life. Too many, judge, too many times we judge according to our perception or our opinion. God's word states that only God is qualified to judge because he knows the person's heart. Jesus was fair-minded, meaning that he recognized the difficulties that people were struggling with. The leper, the Samaritan woman at the well, Zacchaeus, the tax collector, Thomas, the doubter, Peter, the overzealous one, Mary Magdalene, the prostitute who's demon-possessed, the thief on the cross, even Judas the betrayer. Jesus was impartial in giving opportunity for everyone to follow him. I think about the lepers in Jesus' day. They were viewed as repulsive. And basically anytime they walked into any public place, they evoked fear into everyone. There was such a fear about leprosy in that day. They were literally like the walking dead. They were like the zombies that we are, people watch on TV today. They were shunned by all people because they were seen as unclean. They might have been missing fingers or toes or different body parts. Worse yet, many saw the leprosy as an outward manifestation of sin that was inside of their life. So lepers were shunned publicly. Can you imagine this? It was actually a law. If you were a leper in New Testament days and you walked into a, a public place, let's say you, you walked into the outskirts of a city, one of the requirements that you had to do as a leper is that when you walked in, you had to yell, unclean, unclean, unclean. Can you imagine what that would do to you, you spiritually, to your psychic? Where you're actually professing outside with your mouth, you're professing yourself as unclean, unclean, unclean. Can you imagine the life of a leper? Yet Jesus did something that no one else would ever consider doing. He reached out and touched the leper. He didn't see them as less than. He viewed them as people who needed healing. People who needed God's love. 
this is kind of what concerns me. I'm going to talk about something that's probably pretty delicate right now, but I'm okay with talking about delicate things. And I'm not saying we're doing right or wrong. I really don't because this, we're dealing with this coronavirus epic pandemic that's been crazy and it's changing all of our lives. But I get concerned about how the coronavirus is impacting our life spiritually. I get concerned that we have people that have been in isolation for nine months. I get concerned that we have kids that are can't, aren't going to school and, and they're missing their friends and, and they're separated and they're living in isolation. I get concerned that we're fearful because of this disease that all of a sudden, man, if it comes on me, I'm going to die. And you get, all of a sudden this fear starts to rise up. I'm not saying that, that coronavirus is not real. I'm not saying it's a hoax. Hear what I'm saying. But we were never designed by God to enter into anything with fear. We are always designed to enter into faith. doesn't mean that we shouldn't be cautious. But this whole idea where all of a sudden we've isolated ourselves, we separated ourselves. There's nothing loving about there. There's nothing kind about that. We need to step out and still be the hands and the feet of Jesus. This coronavirus is a difficult thing. But many people are responding in fear. It breaks my heart. I know a, a personal friend of mine who died in the hospital alone. No family to touch him. No friends surrounded him. No one. He was just in his hospital bed by himself. Thank God he knew Jesus. I don't know how people are handling it if they don't know Jesus today. Because Jesus can be your brother, your best friend. He can make all the difference. But for those who are lost, for those who don't know Christ, we are Jesus to them. And I just want to remind each and every one of us that we need to love one another in a greater way than ever before. Because this isolation is actually bringing some cruelty into people's lives. And we need to stretch beyond that. Give a phone call. It's not going to endanger you. Call people and check up on them and see how they're doing. Jesus had the faith to reach beyond what was socially acceptable. And he gave hope to those who were desperately hurting. The Samaritan woman at the well. Zacchaeus, the tax collector, the thief on the cross. All were seen as people that were beyond the reach of Jesus. And yet Jesus reached and touched them. Jesus opened up his heart, but he also opened up his hands. Remember what Jesus wrote, or what James wrote in James chapter 2, verse 9. It says, if you favor some people over others, you are committing a sin. You are guilty of breaking the law. Meaning that we're, we are not to make judgment on, on who can and who can't be accepted by God. Think about that thought. We're not to make judgment on that. Being partial or being prejudiced is opposite of God's heart for, your li- for our lives. In fact, verse 4 states that we are being guided by evil motives if we have racism or we're showing favoritism to some. Paul reminds us in this way, Romans 14.10. He says, so why do you condemn another believer? Why do you look down on another believer? Remember, we will all stand before the judgment seat of God. God's law for us is to love one another. To love your neighbor as yourself. Jesus is an equal opportunity savior. No one is outside of his reach. It doesn't doesn't matter what you think. Only matters what God thinks. Amen. Come on. I like that. And this brings me to the most important practice that we need to put into action. All day, every day. We need to be loving one another. We need to be showing mercy. According to James, we will be judged according to the law that sets us free. The law, your Bible might say the law of liberty. What does that mean, the law that sets us free? It's the law of love. 
Love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, and soul. Love your neighbor as yourself. Did we love? Did we show mercy? If we want to be given mercy, guess what? If we want to be shown love, then it's our obligation to show others love and mercy. Otherwise, your faith has not changed your heart. That's one of the most deceptive things that I see in, as followers of Jesus Christ. Is I see sometimes, including myself, I think I'm walking in faith. But all of a sudden I start self-examining and so wait a minute, my actions aren't aligning up with my faith. And this is what James is writing about. Make sure that your actions align with your faith. Otherwise, maybe you're being deceptive to yourself and it's your, the faith that you have in God is still really choosing that changing your heart because you're not allowing it to. We've got to allow it to change our heart. James is telling us in verse 10, it was very interesting. He says, if you've broken one law, then you are guilty of breaking all the laws. Remember he talked about thou shalt not murder, thou shalt not commit adultery. But man, if you've murdered, you've broken all the laws. And what James is telling each and every one of us today, he says the, the royal law, the law of the kingdom, the law of God, the royal law is to love God and love others. But if you're showing favoritism to some and not to others, then by just breaking that one rule, you've really breaking all the rules. That's what James is saying. So we need to purify our hearts, cleanse our hearts. Man, Pastor Tom, I can't live up to all the rules and standards that you're putting. No one can. By God's grace, He forgives us. And guess what? All I'm asking us as a church is start reflecting and examining ourselves and start making the changes. So all of a sudden, God can use us in a greater way. One of the ways, and I just feel, it just, I feel like I'm supposed to share this. Because it helps me so much. Maybe you don't understand this piece of it. Um, as a follower of Christ, you've been given His Spirit, the Holy Spirit. It is one of the most impactful things in my life. When I start doing things, that I'm not, all of a sudden, I hear the voice of God speak to me, stop don't do that and sometimes we don't recognize that it's literally the spirit of God when you've invited Christ into your life he can make all the difference to help you guide you he is a light unto our path right his, his word is a light unto our life one of the ways that we can really help ourselves is by stop looking at ourselves better than what we really are entering into relationship with God with humility as verse 13 says, God will be merciful to those who have shown mercy. But the first part of verse 13 is kind of harsh. It says, there will be no mercy for those who have not shown mercy to others. We will be judged by our mercy and our love. And this is the whole idea that I want to share with you and I want you to walk away with today. Is mercy produces mercy. Love produces love. And if you want to be judged by God, the more love and the more mercy you give out, guess what God says, I'm going to recognize that. And I'm going to treat you with the same kind of love and the same kind of mercy that you had with others. Woo, that was heavy right there. Man, whatever time you have left, make it matter, man. So the way we demonstrate our faith in God is through these three things. Take these home. Practice them this week. Through kindness, through openness, through love. Let's put it into practice all day, every day. And in doing so, guess what? We can make a difference in this world. I feel like it's just a little bit of a change in this service compared to the first service. And I wanted to say a prayer right now. And I'm just going to ask for you to bow your heads and close your eyes.
If you don't know Christ as your Lord and Savior, come talk to me, because I'd love to lead you into that relationship with Jesus to follow Him. It's so simple. The Word of God basically says that all we have to do is believe in our heart that Jesus is Lord. And guess what? You will be saved. Confess your sins. Ask God to forgive you of your sins. And then just choose to follow after Christ. And He, is, he has welcomed you into the kingdom of God. It's that simple. If you want more help on that, man, come see me or call me this week. But I really felt right now, I just felt like in my heart, maybe you're watching this online today, and I just encourage you to grab a hold of this thought. For some of us today, I believe there's someone in our life, maybe it's a neighbor, maybe it's a relative, maybe it's a friend, and that person is far from God. And God is knocking on your door. And He says, I need you to be the extension I need you to be the hands. I need you to be the feet of the gospel of peace. I need you to bring something in, in and through your life. And it's my, it's my power, my Holy Spirit in you. I want you to all of a sudden be a reflection of my goodness, my kindness, my love. I want you to make the difference. I want you to step out in faith and be used by me in a new and a fresh way. Because people need Jesus. And if that's in your heart today, and you've been scared, and you've been afraid of that, which I get it, I understand that's it's kind of a scary thing. But if that's you today, I don't even you don't even have to raise your hand today. I just want you to believe in your heart. I want to say a prayer that you're gonna rise up this week in a new and a fresh way with the power of the Holy Spirit in you, where your mouth is gonna all of a sudden become open and you're gonna share God's love to people. Lord Jesus, you know each and every person here today. Lord, we've been studying the book of James basically finding rhythm for our faith and the idea that, Lord God, we want to be in step with you. And Lord God, this week when the opportunities arise for us to share your love, I pray, God, that you would help us by the power of your Holy Spirit to not to be, not to shy back, not to be fearful, but God, that we will step out in faith and we will make a difference in the lives of others. Help us, Lord God, to use our mouth, Lord God, to speak your goodness and your kindness and your gentleness. Help us, Lord God, to represent your love to others. And Lord God, I pray by the power of your Holy Spirit, people will come to know you. I ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening to the South Coast Christian Podcast. We appreciate those who give on a regular basis to South Coast because through your giving, we are able to provide these resources. For more information about South Coast, including service times and ways to give, please visit southcoastchristian.com. And if you haven't already, please subscribe to this podcast. Thanks again, and may this week be filled with new opportunities where you can receive and share God's love.